You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 591, Clarkson, a man of two characters. Is it time to throw away your CDs? The return of S Club 7 and how De La Soul changed hip-hop. That's all coming up after Bell and Sebastian and I Don't Know What You See In Me. Did you listen to my prayers? Cause there's something in the air And your love is all I need For your love is true indeed I've been looking, I've been looking down And I don't know what I'm thinking about You were standing right in front of me And it only took a moment to see I don't know which way to be I don't know if it's enough been out for a month now so i thought i'll check with the Mm. uk top 40 to see how it's getting on not there top 75 okay look check check the top 75 not there okay top 100 not there the world has gone mad um lead single from their new album late developers bell and sebastian and i don't know what you see in me I mean, very much agree with you. Although having said that, I am someone who was meant to have seen Bell and Sebastian on the ticket that I have for them three times so far, I think. And and they keep postponing because of various oh, ill health yes, of the band members, yes. including now Stuart M is ill again, which is not, not good news. Uh, but um, but yeah, like you say, it's although I believe that Late Developers was um, a surprise album, I think. I yes, because they, had, they yeah. had one out last year, didn't they, I think? And exactly. It was like and a bonus. Exactly. Although part Part of me always thinks less is more when it comes to that. But then yeah. I was grew I grew up with my favourite bands releasing albums every five to six years. So so I would yeah. say that. But yeah, it's it, Bell and Sebastian. Are, I mean, I always say Bell and Sebastian throughout their career are two different bands. 
and I mm. like both bands. Bell and Sebastian now are a great band. They are different to the is well, it's the pre it's the Campbell era and the post Campbell era, isn't it? Mm. Really, Isabel Campbell era, Bell and Sebastian are a very different band <clears throat> to the Bell and Sebastian we get now. And I can understand why old school Bell and Sebastian fans are turned off by the slick new offering, but I like both. So so I will look forward to seeing them when eventually I do see them. As uh, my friend that I meant to be going with said at the start of the year, Happy New Year. Maybe we'll see Bell and Sebastian this year. <laughs> as a sort of an aspirational goal. This, I mean, this particular track, they used to say on Jukebox Jewelry back in the mm. 1960s, you know, is a very catchy tune. But this is everything that you would expect with, uh, that you would need to have a top 40 single. Yeah, so that's exactly. the one thing. The other thing is, I, I thought, OK, it's not in the um, top 100 yes. even. Um, is it on the playlists? And it's in they, Radio 2. They have Division A, yes. B and C. It's in C. Yeah, the they often get C-listed on. on mm. I'm wondering if it was on six or not because I haven't listened to six mm. for, uh, for a couple of weeks. So, it's so very strange all round. It is odd. Hello and welcome to Parish Council episode 591. I'm Terence Stackham. Well, it's the question literally everyone has been <laughs> asking me this week. Is she replacing Nicola Sturgeon <laughs> as the First Minister of Scotland? Let's ask Juliet Harris. You see, I've won my own house back gambling on what your <laughs> opening question was going to be this week. The minute she resigned you and it was it. reported, I thought, oh, fast forward to Sunday when we're yes. going to record this. And the question everyone asking is, yes, indeed. I feel that I'm not terribly qualified. I've never oh. even been to Scotland, Satie. Well, no, the only a, time I've ever be been to Scotland. Yes, I don't feel it would play well. The only no. time I've ever been to Scotland was when you do the thing where you stand under the sign saying welcome to Scotland when I went <laughs> on holiday to Northumbria once. That's the only time I've ever spent in Scotland on a motorway verge. So perhaps not the person to lead that great nation of lovely people. Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm hugely pro the Scots in general. But yes, I am. Maybe this year will be the year that I go and visit. I don't know. And, um, you know, maybe wouldn't it be great if I could see Ben and Sebastian in Scotland? Two, well, exactly. two, 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 two unknowns indeed. But no, I, know, but the, I won't be replacing her. Good morning. Many people will be disappointed, but I think we'll all understand your reasons. Uh, for, or the reasons of the Scottish electorate. For yes. Not being keen on yes, me. yes, yes. I exactly. mean, you know, I can understand anyone's reasons for not being keen on me, Terence, but particularly <laughs> oh, the no. Scottish electorate. Back in the summer of 2021, mm. when we watched the first season of Clarkson's Farm, yes. I, I certainly went into it thinking it's Clarkson. It's mm. going to be full of his pomposity, his awful views on people and life. Yes. In other words, his whole insufferable self. And it turned out to be exactly that. But somehow we found it to be a wonderful program. Mm. And I immediately been binge watched all eight yeah. episodes of that first season. This week has seen the release of season two on Amazon Prime. And I'm wondering, Jules, with the rather stunk warning of foul language on the screen mm. as it opens, and we heard Simon and Garfunkel's hazy shade of winter. <laughs> yes. Does season two, does it look to you like sparking more joy? Absolutely. I mean, we'll go on to talk about Clarkson in a bit, but mm. but the um, the actual programme itself... This is so well made. It's it? it's it's such it's genuine quality. Usual thing because I I like you. I watched the first season pretty much off the bat. Um, it takes you a while to re to readjust to Jeremy Clarkson's narration <laughs> style, and <laughs> you do, and you just think, oh no, not this again. Excellent. And then within ten minutes. It somehow doesn't seem so bad. And and actually, the joy of this programme, and this is where it's so clever, is the supporting cast of mm. people, particularly my fave, Caleb, who yes. I'm delighted to see Caleb back, whose son is foreign because he was born in Oxford, not Chipping Norton. Um, just yeah, ge- genuinely. Yeah, yeah. And Clarkson, I like the fact there's a nod to the fact that Caleb has now been on TV programmes and Clarkson is sort of dinging him for, oh, we better get this done before you go off to be on Celebrity Love Island. <laughs> and he's like, no, my wife doesn't watch that. Caleb seems refreshingly normal. And when mm. asked if he would go on I'm a Celeb, when... I wouldn't want to go out to Australia if they came here. <laughs> and mm. to which Jeremy Clarkson replied, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of Chipping Norton where I live. Um, Ch- Charlie, the world's best natured land agent. Um, Posh Simon, the combine had dri- uh, harvester driver who once asked for a knife and fork in McDonald's. I mean, there are some brilliant, <laughs> brilliant characters here that we get reintroduced to. The the unintelligible Gerald attempting to to to, to 
you know, the, when they hear him on the radio, you can literally av- understand every third word. Um, it's 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 great. It's a really really slickly made program. It's to Clarkson's credit that he allows himself to be portrayed as a stooge all the time. Um, the, the bit where, I mean, so he's mostly likable. There are bits where they sort of play a bit on his persona. The bit when they were doing the combine harvesting and they found that piece of material, and he was like, we appear to have minced a child. Can you see? <laughs> yeah, the newspaper headlines, Jeremy Clarkson has minced a child. Um, it, it's, again, a great, a great pleasure to watch because it's genuinely funny. And shows a lot of insight into I think a lot of people will know more about farming now than they otherwise would because of this it puts the issues in quite a clear way um you just know that this season's big storyline is going to be what's going to happen with the restaurant it's just or the restaurant as 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 Clarkson insists on calling it um the the quote of a quarter of a million pounds to line the building I feel I feel this isn't going to win well but but you know it's it's, so you know again it's edited it's deliberately made TV, so obviously you're always going to be presented with a with a persona. You're always going to be presented with with that sort of thing. Um, but no, I, I I very much enjoyed this as 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 I did the last season. Um, what's also interesting, and it made me Google actually, and this is where Clarkson is such an. I mean, you know, there are things about him that we're going to talk about mm. but that I genuinely dislike. But equally, he's an interesting character in the sense that he's very contradictory in his views. So I sort of looked up, you know, because he was going on about Brexit and I, my, my instinct was to say, why did you vote for it then? He was very anti-Brexit. He was mm. very pro-Remain. He saw the benefits of the EU. And and that I thought that was extremely interesting. Um, yeah, I thought this was I thought this was as good as the previous series, if not even better because it was just such a joy to have it back and those are not words i thought i would say ever say about hmm. a program with jeremy clarkson in you know simon who's too posh for mcdonald's it reminded yes. me that my <laughs> my parents visited mcdonald's once in their lives ah. they've both gone now but they visited yes. once with one of the grandchildren right. and they actually sat in a booth for 20 minutes waiting for the waitress <laughs> To come and take their order bless your parents um, it's a bit yeah. of another world isn't it, it really? really even wimpy you get served don't you so so yeah um yeah the, the first few episodes of episode one of season two were useful in where you had that quick summary of what had happened yes. after season one in, including yeah. as you say the the uh the, the Caleb cooper i think he's like the hugely likable ernie wise to class yes and Eric he is Hawk, he you is know? Um, he, he, he just there, there's just something about him he's a natural so tv entertaining. he is he? but but i don't really think he's trying I oh, never not in a contrived way no just a natural he's playing up the camera loves him yeah yeah the idea that you know that he was he was on tv and and mm. was was like um and the fact that he's that he's never he doesn't strike me as ignorant at all but he's just never done anything and it's like a storyline no, so he was he was amazing. like Kima Nan and they're like don't tell me you've ever been you've never been to an Indian restaurant no never been to an Indian restaurant no. you know never 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 been abroad in the first series he was like they were like well, do you not go abroad he's like no I've got a bistro if I want something so so you know it's it's, it's, it's great it's, and in the first season he'd been to London once but oh, he, yes, at, at school coach. but he yeah. stayed on the coach because it looked <laughs> yeah. too busy so he didn't yeah. get off the coach it's, and I mean I just adore you know the, the, it would only go on I'm a celeb if it came to him I just think yes. it's, there's much to admire about that we um we we saw the farm overwhelmed in the, in the summary we saw the farm overwhelmed by the number of visitors coming to the farm shop and I remember oh, yes th- this story reached the national news yes. in yeah I remember it happening yeah traffic pretty much brought the Cotswolds to the hall now I'm still in love with the show uh, the filming is just exquisite oh, it's, it's just it's so, so beautifully slick. made it has so the good. effect of making the Chipping Norton area look like a slice of paradise. It really oh, it does. does. It makes it look like the Caribbean or something, doesn't it? You just it think, really oh, does. doesn't that the, look like the greatest place? Yeah, I agree. The supporting cast, I mean, mm. they're obviously there all quite naturally. Yes. But as you say, you could not have chosen a, a more both likable and characterful set of people to be yeah. on the show. And exactly. so during the week, I binge-watched again all mm. eight episodes of season two 
and it doesn't disappoint. It is just one of the best uh, things you'll see on TV. It's sparkling. It's absolutely, it's you know, A-list stuff, which is mad because of Jeremy Clarkson's We come the to press. the big question, Jules. Mm. This is it. In this show, perhaps we get a glimpse of the vulnerability of Clarkson mm. as opposed to the shouty, smart Alec. He's not which... afraid to make himself look stupid, no, and that is very admirable. No, it's just admirable. We, um, you know, we see him in the, in the sort of shoutiness in almost every show we mm. see him in, in other uh, television shows. It's quite the paradox. And, um, Jules... I'm not quite sure how someone can be mm. quite so likable and disreputable and disagreeable at the same time. It's really weird, isn't it? And part of me thinks, you know, we all we all adopt. This is going to get very deep, and I'm sorry, but we all of us, be we famous or not, and I insist that I am not. You will, you bless you, insist oh. otherwise. But um, but uh, we all adopt personas in different parts of our lives, even if we're not doing this consciously. Consciously, we all have a persona self and a shadow self. This is Jungian psychology now. Come for the Jungian, come for the Clarkson's farm. Stay for the Jungian psychology. And um, and there's something. I mean, I wonder if, you know, Jeremy Clarkson's, you know, persona mm. that he gets paid to write, you know, these these mostly ghastly columns, it has to be said. Yeah. Although interesting, they're not always the same level of ghastly, are they? The Meghan Markle one is the one that, that mm. seems to have really got him in hot water and is awful. I, you know, I hate it, obviously. But... May, you know, it, it seems like it's it's this kind of arms race, I think, that we've spoken about previously on the podcast of, you know, the law of diminishing returns. And if you have ever done a column that is outrageous and has sold lots of papers, there will be pressure on you, on your paymasters to play the hit again. Except if you it's almost like being addicted to drugs, really. It's that same dopamine rush. It's the same adrenaline rush. You don't get that the same the next time you have to be more and more extreme you have to you have to be more and more outrageous to to hit the same height because you know the kind of people and ghouls i have to say that prescribe to that kind of thing will always want more they'll always want you to be a bit more outrageous because if you're as outrageous as if you're only as as outraged as you were last time that's boring isn't it because you've done it before and that is what makes me think and i you know i cannot believe i'm making excuses for clarkson i'm not mm. but it's weird isn't it this idea that that you know his writing you know he's in these kind of papers on the uh, exorbitant amount of money i suspect which is just as well given that the farm made 144 quid profit the first year but um but it's it's you know he's he's in this position where you know he's being more and more and more outrageous and it is just so odd because when you see him on the program which admittedly is heavily edited i mean the reason it's so good is it's so slickly made and it's slickly made in the sense that every single minute is labored over by the look of it i mean it, it doesn't look labored but you just know that a hell of a lot of work and editing has gone into this yes all the blokes are very naturally good but there has been a load of, of editing so yes he's been presented in a very favorable light and he knows how to perform so perhaps is he performing a likable character i don't know all of us have contradictions we all have strange parts you know the shadow parts of us are the are the less are the parts are the are the diametric opposites of the persona parts that we don't like people to see it's really weird, isn't it? I just I find this I find it very difficult to grasp who the real Clarkson is, because in this he comes across as he's happy to let himself come across as a bit of a bumbling idiot. Um, He, you know, when he the first the theme of the first series was him not listening to advice that he was being given and then it all going horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> um, So so this season, I've only seen the first one. I haven't binged it yet. So so I will look forward to seeing whether it gets any better. Do you remember the the popping cat? cameo from the nfu woman that was very yeah. glamorous in the first yeah. season about the tractor yeah. um it's it's yeah it's it's strange isn't it and and like you i feel this kind of guilt in sort of watching it because of you know his newspaper writing persona and yet it's such a brilliant program and there are so many great people on it it's such a quandary i was talking to someone the other day and we were talking about the concept of a guilty pleasure which we both very much reject don't believe in guilty pleasures mm. I'm finding it really strange talking about how much I love Clarkson's Farm and how people yeah. I know will hear this and and be annoyed, I suspect. And it's really weird. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. In fact, I don't mm. disagree with the word you said there. I, I mean, in a similar fashion, I've got I have a, a friend who writes often very acidic columns mm. in a national newspaper, and um, people 
often I hear people saying people write it and in a sense they're right because the the, the columns that she writes are, are often mm. just you know terrible views and yet she's one of the nicest people mm. that you could spend um you know a few hours with and I think it, it the same here is it Clarkson's not unique in that the person who appears on TV wrecking cars and who writes mm. appalling columns for newspapers yes. it, it, it well, I think your theory is a very sound one. It's a cloak he wears. I mean, in, in the sense of the columns, he's a sort of a pen for hire, opinions are us. But it is hard. I, I, I can't make sense of it. It is so no. hard to reconcile some of the dreadful comments, for sure, against the likable family man um, and yes, who's so exactly. kind to everybody in this program and who is so you know human and we yeah, see exactly. his failings exactly and, his and, 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 and laughs at laughs at himself and I yes. always like people who laugh at themselves who um and you know has these has these madcap skins I mean I think Char- you say that um that the uh, what's his name that Caleb is the early wise Charlie is also excellent yes, to the land who yeah. you know? Who, who sits there as uh, Jeremy Clarkson explains his plan? Eighty yeah. percent of restaurants fail, and he's like, "Well, my plan is to be in the twenty percent." <laughs> look on, yeah. look on, on on Charlie's face is BAFTA winning within itself. I think it's it's yeah, like you say, very strange because it's a treat of a program, but it's Jeremy Clarkson. I won't give a spoiler, but the th- at, at all, it's not even a spoiler in the in least sense. But that the thread of trying to get that restaurant. Oh um, yeah, that's going. a big storyline, is isn't it? The, that, is that's the, going to be the, the thing that holds yeah. the whole thing together, and it is an, an extraordinary look into b- British bureaucracy, yes. rural life, Absolutely. and uh, you know the man and all this sort of thing. So, it's, it, as I say, it's well, Clarkson Farm. It's on Amazon Prime, and all we can say is it's absolutely fabulous. It's sparkling, sparklingly good. Coming next, get rid of your CDs. No, don't get rid of your CDs. Um, And my addiction to subtitles. That's Mm. right after Rolling Blackout's Coastal Fever. All day, I listen out for Jenny's old coupe. Midnight blue, it's faded, but she's always been true. Holiday, I haven't seen you since you had to get away. City illuminates the rain Lean your face Hopeless, no embrace I wanna know I wanna know where the silence comes from Where space originates
I really love this band. I've always really loved this band from the first moment I heard them on Six Music. I just think, um, I just think I love their sound. I love their kind, and it's really sort of Southern Hemisphere sound to me. It's a really, it's the, it's the sound of you know, really, just, just beautiful music i love the chiming guitars um it's just so easy to listen to and in, in an increasingly vexatious world it's just really nice to have music that you can put on and i just really enjoy i just really like this band that was um rolling blackouts coastal fever and that was talking straight i don't know a huge amount about them but everything i've heard i've really liked i think mm. you picked them before and i really yes, like I that did, track yeah. played before and um I think yeah, you're talking about the guitarist, I think you're so right. I think having three lead vocalists and three lead guitarists is so mm. handy for a band. Oh, and absolutely. It just makes a great sound. Absolutely. Yeah. Many of my favourite bands have sort of multiple mm. kind of kind of songwriters that you can switch in and out and and are just yeah, are just so yeah. good. Sometimes I think about the day in 2014 when I filled big bin bags full of cassettes, probably mm. up to about 2,000 cassettes in all, packed them all into my car, drove to the local municipal tip and chucked them all over the wall into the landfill area. And so far, I haven't regretted doing this as it's probably been, well, it had probably been 20 years or so, mm. even then, since I had last played any of them. And of course, I bet yes. like many other people, I had the same album on vinyl and CD as well, suckered into that. Mm. But I do sometimes wonder if I'll ever wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat thinking, what have I done? What have I done? Mm. Um, Recently, Jules, your The Guardian ran a story mm. about a bloke called Gerald who wants to hang on to all his CDs and DVDs as well. Mm. But his girlfriend, Jacinda. Why do uh, they, they both have R's in their names? Or, or, Jacinda or like got, and Gerald. I mean, he's got a Y in his name. He's got an L in his name that yes. probably shouldn't be there because he should be Jerry. And she should, yes. should be Jacinda. Having said that, oh. I have become that. I sound like Jeremy Clarkson. Why don't you spell your name proper and yes. not follow? So my apologies. I jest. They sound like a, a, um, the British entry for Eurovision, Jocinda They do a bit. I mean, yeah. I was going to say, they they can't be as bad as Gemini, surely. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> could be as bad as No. Um, yeah, Jocinda wants him to ditch all of um, his CDs and DVDs, just like my cassettes, mm. and go to streaming services. Mm. But in the Guardian poll that always runs after these yes. stories about what should we do, Who's this right? or that. Yes, exactly, yeah. yes. Only 19% of readers agreed with throwing them away and 81% sided with Gerald to keep all his CDs and DVDs. Which way are you going in the future? As we know about your vinyl, which way are you going in terms of your CDs and DVDs? Are you going to ditch them all and just go streaming? It's the I only mean way. It's uh, just we, Gerald, obviously. I have tons of CDs that I'm never getting rid of. Putting all my mm. CDs on into my laptop kept me sane during the first three months of lockdown in 2020. I, mean, I remember that was a you doing big, that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That was a big, big old job. My new laptop doesn't have a CD drive on it. Oh. I have investigated a plug-in CD drive, DVD oh. writing drive for £25. That will be here next week. Oh, so, so you're so, an elderly woman now. I that am, I the, am. That, I am the world's oldest man at all times. So, uh, so yeah. And I thought this was so interesting, this article, because mm. they always are these things. You know you know the old phrase, dating from your era rather than mine, but the personal is political. Mm. It's a, 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 the biggest fissures in relationships, the, the most fun fundamental differences between people that have to be navigated are often revealed by the smallest of details um and when when you know it ostensibly is about one thing when you dig into it it's something that's much deeper and when you look at you know she speaks and then he speaks he says at the beginning um I lived abroad before moving in with Jacinda and had my stuff in storage since I moved into her place she said she's had to compromise more this isn't about whether or not he should keep his CDs. This is about them trying to navigate living together and share and living in a shared space together. I would say that. Um, and what she and of course, the thing that this comes down to is, again, you know, you're you're a minimalist. I'm a clutterer mm. is is how do you express your emotions and your sentimentality and i am in the i'm in the pot that i attach sentimental value to physical things that is always i'm someone and i know it's a fool's errand in lots of ways but that's just what i am and what's interesting is i'm Ger i'm pro gerald in this whole thing because 
Cheryl speaks of the sort of sentimentality of it all. And um, she says he prefers physical copies of things and feels says it feels special to have a DVD with a bonus feature you can't find online. I was talking to someone recently about the demise of the secret DVD menu and Easter eggs and how much we love them. Cheryl has this romantic idea that he's always browsing through his DVDs and chooses what to watch, but that's nonsense. In reality, I can't recall the last time he made use of his vast collection. His DVDs also take up a lot of space, a whole row on the TV stand, which leave my plants squashed, and his CDs take up bookcase space, so I've had to move my books. She then says... I'm saving to buy a house which will be smaller than the one we live in now. What's going on here? They're what not going to survive, are they? What's I don't happening? feel for their she, future. Yeah, you know, she she resents him being there. That's what mm. this is about, ultimately, if you dig into it. Uh, there's no way I'm moving 200 DVDs and loads of CDs in there. Which case, you go and live in your house elsewhere and we'll all pop round to Gerald's for a takeaway once a week <laughs> and listen to his brilliant CDs. Gerald then says in his thing, in his bit, mm. um, about DVDs and stuff. Um, he, he talks about, um, you know, when she goes out, he watches a DVD. He says, you know, when she's, when she's, uh, when she's, uh, you know, when she's out, he will, uh, he will watch something. Um, I think they are living separate lives, Sir T. Yeah. So, so, you know, obviously I wish them all the best with everything, but in terms of keeping things, yes, I get that I probably have too much stuff and that I probably, you know, it does stress me out a bit and I do need to sort of, um, you know, sort of cut occasionally. I absolutely get that. And I get that people have different tastes about what they have to, you know, how they like to live in their space, etc. But if in this instance, if you're with someone, you should be on board with their sort of hoarding or not hoarding personality, their attachment style to stuff. And you need to find a way of navigating that if you want to live together. It's not just, oh, your stuff is squashing my plants. You're both living in that space. You both need to find a way of navigating that. I, you know, I admit that I have too much stuff and I need to prune it down a bit. But equally, I just people need to accept the fact that I like having things around. And actually, sometimes, in my view, it makes for a much nicer environment. I had a friend over on Friday evening and it gave me great joy to pop to the kitchen and do something, come back and find that she'd just taken a book or a record off the shelf and was sort of looking at it and asking about it. I think it's a lovely thing to have those things around you. I absolutely understand that some people need to live their lives in a way that everything around them is clean and clear. And I absolutely understand that. But I make no apologies for having a book on a side that will spark joy. I think Gerald and uh, Jacinda are living in a Terence Rattigan play. They're, 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 <laughs> they're sitting at separate tables. They are, um, I think. What, one of the most unlikely twists in, in, in the, the broader picture of, of yes. all of this, this whole affair, is Danny Baker deciding mm. to sell all his records. I don't know if what? you've heard about this. That exactly. Is That's nuts. That's absolutely One of mad. the most outspoken advocates for vinyl, yes. uh, vinyl records, and his many rarities. He's you know, selling the lot. He says he's definitely Why? doing his what he sells. 14,000 records. He says it's like being unchained from a lunatic. But I think he's going to wake up at 3 a.m. shouting, what yes. have I done? Yeah, I, I, I can understand why stuff occasionally comes becomes oppressive. But what I, what I don't quite understand is why people are so extreme about it. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes I think, oh, I've got too much stuff. OK, I'll get rid of three. I'll get rid of three individual shelves of books. And I'll just I'll find three shelves of books that I don't want anymore. Fine. I'm not going to get rid of my whole collection of books no. because I have too many because that then will mean I have none. You know, let's let's just why does why do people have to be like, oh, in order to get rid of things, I just need to get rid of everything I own. And it's like, well, can you not just get rid of some of the stuff that you own? He's got all these Beatles rarities and like yeah. a promo version of Waterloo Sunset, that you know, is and, mad, and he's exactly. just selling them all. It's madness. Just, just you know, just sell the stuff that is work a day and mm. keep the special stuff. I or alternatively, know. if there are a few things you really don't think you need, fine, sell those. But yeah, mm. I, I, I worry that if you're left with nothing at all, that is a recipe for regret. Yes. Um. I can be a bit of a nuisance at home. What? Um, I, 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 I do not um, believe this for a single second, Satie. 
I knew that would come as a real surprise to everybody. You know, revelation. I know. But it's especially so when it comes to watching movies on the TV. Firstly, I fall asleep after about five minutes and I have to be woken up and I sit up startled and um, I either have to have the plot explained to me (laughs) or we have to rewind, which goes down really well, you can imagine. Yes, exactly. Um, I'm someone that talks during things. Oh, well, uh, you see now this. This is why my, my point too, I, I, you know, this is why it's so valid because the other thing is that I love the subtitles on. Mm. Initially, I was told it was irritating, but we've all got used to it now. Yes. Uh, I love subtitles. You can take, first of all, if somebody, and I have to say this mirrors my own home life all too well, yabbers and jabbers, jibber yes. jabbers on. My, my apologies for us all, for all I, of us jabberers out there. Yes, yes. yes. Um, I can still, you know, pretend to be listening, but also be watching the uh, subtitles so I I, I don't uh, miss what's going on. Um, You can take in a scene in just a Mm. glance and it's I find it much easier to relax and inevitably fall asleep, um, knowing you don't have to concentrate every fibre of your hearing to catch Mm. what people are saying. And Jules, according to an article in You're the Guardian, 40 percent of all next Netflix viewers agree with me. So viva. La subtitle. And you know what? Strangely, I know that we quite often disagree on a yes. lot of things. I have always been obsessed with subtitles. So mm. so like many people of my generation, we didn't have the internet. We had teletext and CFAX. And my big do was was eight 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 to get the subtitles. That was always my, my one of my favourite things. And I remember my best friend from school coming around when I was about sixteen or seventeen. She was like you always have the subtitles on. And it, I just I just liked the fact mm, that it was there. Reassuring. Um, absolutely. I, and, and also, there have been some wonderful subtitling moments over the years. <laughs> I remember watching Top of the Pops in the mid-90s, where, do you remember the the bizarre song slash band, because they were called the same thing that was Doop? No, I don't. It was a dance record that had no lyrics, that was based around a sort of a Charleston sample. And bless them, the game people at the BBC decided that having subtitled all of Top of the Pops, they did have to try and subtitle do, even though it had two words, no words. And and like the there was one subtitle that flashed on and off throughout the performance of Deep that that said repeating 1930s Charleston-esque riff. And that's all it said on the subtitles of Deep throughout. I enjoy subtitling fails. I had friends that worked for Sky's voice subtitling service, and they said it's done on voice recognition. It's often done on the fly. Hence, you get lovely, lovely, you know, beautiful errors. I remember I used to, when I was a trainee sister in Tunbridge Wells, when I first started, we didn't have an office junior. So those were my duties for the first couple of things, which included doing a bank run. So I used to have to go to Lloyds Bank and, and you know, queue up and, and do the bank run. And so they would have a TV that would, they'd have the radio on and then they'd have a TV on mute and you'd see the subtitles. And I remember standing in there once seeing someone presenting the weather and saying, oh, it will be a bit it will be a bit chilly out there today. Chilly being spelled C-H-I-L-E. And someone in the queue next to went, God, I hope it is like chilly here. It's really warm over there. Also, the owner of Liverpool, but us being informed that the owner of Liverpool Football Club was uh, was Tom Hanks. And we all know it's Tom Hicks. Yet somehow the thought of every man Tom, well, he would have been the new Ryan Reynolds 15 years ago, wouldn't he? Running a, running a sort of a, a football club in Britain. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of subtitles. Titles. Again, because you know it's always quite quite good to sort of have it there, and also sound dubbing on some TV programs yes. is not always very easy to understand, and you just think how. Well, I feel like you know again the world's oldest man. What did she just say? And <laughs> and sometimes it is there was the most notable of these recent <laughs> instances was the BBC's ill-fated production of Jamaica Inn a few years ago by Daphne Du Maurier. Do you remember that? There that was mm. that was the thing where very briefly. And to be fair to the BBC, it's always happy to report on itself in a critical way. Oh, the six yeah. o'clock news briefly became like points of view in, in that it began mm. talking about Jamaica in. Sorry, I mean, Jamaica in, because nobody <laughs> could understand what was going on at all. Yes. M- death to mumbling. Hooray for uh, the, what I still refer to as 888 subtitles. 
I think these days uh, actors increasingly do mumble mm. and they don't enunciate properly like you and I. Because um, lots of them don't do stage work. I think this might be it. There was there, it. They don't there project. Was a, no, yeah. there was a big incident, um, not a big incident, but it was reported in the national press that there was a play, there was a farce that was on in, in London, possibly the West End, that starred Sheila Hancock and Keely Hawes doing very rare stage work. Obviously, Queen of Sunday Night TV, Keely Hawes. It was her birthday apparently earlier in the week and my friend went why is her birthday not always on a Sunday so that we can celebrate by watching her on ITVX at nine mm. o'clock in the evening and there was a big fallout between the two of them and it was really uh, reported and I think Keely Hawes left in the end because Sheila Hancock was not backwards in coming forwards of her criticism of Keely Hawes's projection or according according to reports lack thereof on the stage uh, because yeah. it's a different thing isn't it it's a completely it different ball game so we say carry on subtitling indeed or, or speak up lads you know one or the other yeah. <laughs> one or the other coming right up the return of S Club 7 and farewell to David Jolicoeur of De La Soul that's right after PM Dawn holding on is like the ways of the wind Naively that it guaranteed my safety I'm looking at eyes that have stumbled across a shooting star Saying it's alright, know the kind of man you are Holding on Oh. 
I picked this for the simple reason that it's one of my favourite albums by one of my favourite bands. Simple as mm, that, really. Not? Yeah. It's it's one of six singles taken mm. from the wonderful The Bliss album from 1993, PM Dawn and The Ways of the Wind. Absolutely, that is that is a why not pick your favourite records, Seti? I picked the uh, the the Rolling Blackouts Coastal Fever. A track because I'd heard the album for the first time in ages this week and really liked it. Mm, so, exactly. so why, why else? Why else would you pick something? I must admit, I don't know a, um, a great deal about yeah, S Club 7. I, I'm, I'm not mm. dissing them. They had 13 hit singles in yeah. a row in the UK, all of them in the top five. What I most remembered them for was a cringeworthy interview on TV <laughs> with a very youthful Claudia Winkleman back in 2003. Who's always been a national treasure, it turns out. <laughs> it was a period when they were splitting up. And yes. Claudia asked a relatively innocuous question about money when their PR rushed into the studio. It's the wading in to shot that makes it so good. She comes charging in. <laughs> Here's a 20-second clip that will show you what happened. The bank balances that we do have. I'm not having that. I'm not having you asking that question. I've tried to stop this and I've had to walk in here. Can you go up? We're going. I'm sorry. No. Okay, well, I'm sorry, I wasn't sorry. No, that's cool. Maybe we should go. Now, that awkward moment was back in 2003, 20 years. TV gold, absolute TV gold, yeah. Really is. 20 years on, they're, they're back together, but clearly, Jules. I didn't realise their star status because this 2023 tour is all big arenas, including the London O2. Well, that's working on the basis that they sell the tickets for that, wow. of course. I always worry that, that 90s slash early noughties nostalgia is, is over overly estimated. Although everyone now thinks they can do a take that. Take that, of course. I was talking about this with someone the other day uh, who were shrewd enough to a have a, have a long time or, or, or a reasonable period of time away. I think it was about sort of 10 to 15 years. Were then sensible enough to realise that their young fan base had now grown up and had disposable income and so in some cases had children of their own that had disposable <laughs> income so so yes s club seven a bit too poppy for my taste in my youth although having said that you know they had some they had some very good pop songs that were extremely catchy i could sing you reach for the stars i could sing you don't stop moving you know i could sing you uh, uh, several of them never had a dream come true that was their big one their big christmas one i think or, or around that time um yeah there seems to be a lot of nostalgia for their pop music and what's interesting is is you know what some of them rachel stevens the most successful you would say of s club seven who had yeah. a, a solo career yeah. um who um, became very briefly cool because Richard X, the sort of the the electro, the, the bloke that did Freak Like Me by the Sugar Babes that, oh, that yeah. came up with that idea, did a few songs with her, including one called Some Girls, which is worth listening to. It was used for as the official, you know, they have the official comic relief single, the official oh, sports yeah. release single. It was the official sports release single, I think. It's a very dark insight into the world of young women becoming famous as models mm. and that sort of thing. I cannot believe they made that a charity single. Um, uh, it's it's really, it, it, I mean, I can't explain how weirdly good it is. Some girls always get what they wanna wanna. All I seem to get is the other other. Um, is is <laughs> really really. It, it, there's just something about it that is very strange but very good. S Club Seven had their they were very much marketed at children's city, and I say that. They had their own TV program that used to go out on children's BBC. They oh, were a bit, they were a little bit like the monkeys in that there was a TV mm. program and and that the, in which they played fictionalised versions of themselves as a struggling band and mm. then were smashing it out of the park with these massive singles that were selling shed loads. It was very much young people's pop though, so I can see why. I mean, genuinely kiddie pop, I would say, but of perhaps a better quality than that suggests. So. I'm not surprised whenever I've been to I mean, I stopped going to young persons clubs some years ago. But it, but in the brief moments where I still do go, or if I'm at sort of discos at, at events and things like that, there's a genuine affection for them amongst people of a certain age. I would say people trying to judge it about people with a pop sensibility between the ages of sort of 30 to 45, I would say genuinely like them i think they i wouldn't put them in the same bracket as abba in terms of of sheer volume of quality but 
I suspect that they might they might weirdly stand the test of time because the pop is good and they hit they hit certain people of my generation at a time when they were young and there's a great power in that. Maybe the tour will succeed. I noticed that they aren't being too greedy. Tickets seem to average about fifty quid, which, which is, is which is admirable. I really today. admire that. Yeah. That's really good. Of and, course, and, there is yeah. the inevitable VIP packages that aren't just under three hundred <laughs> quid. Yeah, but but again. When we were talking the other week about Brucey and his yeah, surge pricing, three hundred yeah. quid for VIP access yes. is not bad, really. True. And and if you love S Club Seven, that is a price that's probably worth paying, isn't it? I'm, so I'm going to ask a really stupid question: Were well, there seven of them? Is that why they're called S Club Seven? Yes. Although, oh. and interestingly, so so this is the sort of the conveyor belt of pop. You may be familiar with the Saturdays, the the female girl oh, yeah. band that that yes, yes that that sort of followed from Girls Aloud, who bizarrely I saw one of their first gig supporting girls allowed when i went to see them at battle abbey some years ago um and they went on to sort of you know some of them you know rochelle is now in in a relationship with that bloke from jls and they're a presenting couple together they do the hit list you know some of them have gone on to do things so s club seven was so successful that simon fuller who really is one of the most ruthless people salesmen in pop decided that there was this is how you know showbiz moves on so to no one's young for very long Mm. they decided they would release a children's version of s club seven who were initially called we had actual children in them that were initially called s club eight and then (laughs) because it was decided it was too confusing were rebranded to s club juniors um Rochelle and Frankie started off in S Club Juniors before they oh. then graduated to the Saturdays. So, I didn't uh, know that. yes, so 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 it's a whole cottage industry setting. Oh. Oh, it's amazing. It's like sort of promotion and relegation. Stay in exactly, S Club exactly. Juniors for a while, and the, you, you, the, know, you get moved up. The S the... Club Development Squad, as they yes, should have been exactly. referred to. Uh, sad that David Jolicoeur, known of course as Trugoy the Dove, died this week, mm. only fifty-four. Mm-hmm. Um, People that don't really follow De La Soul, Trugoy is yogurt backwards. Mm. Um, I really feel that De La Soul brought a new and very welcome mm. dimension to hip hop. I mean, there was nothing wrong with NWA and Ice T and mm. whatever, but their music was very intense and hardcore. Yes. It was three feet high and rising. De La Soul, they brought uh, sunshine, psychedelia, and daisies mm. um, to go in another direction from the gangster guys. Mm. It was a genuine blast of fresh air jewels mm, absolutely i agree just what a what a wonderful band what a wonderful group what a great sort of like you say just goes to show that not all hip-hop has to be aggressive not all of that kind of music the daisy age of hip-hop was the golden age yeah. of it for me and don't get me wrong i really like stuff like public enemy i really enjoyed uh you know chuck d's righteous anger the points that it makes is great but also i love the flip i love the sunshine of of uh, de la soul i just think that they're there's got such a great vibe about them and I, I play their songs djing sometimes and they're always welcomed like old friends and i they will i'll we'll go on to what i'm particular song at the end mm. there's just there's just they always bring sunshine to any situation for me they're, they're just one of those bands who knew who they were and and were happy to be who they were and you know in a world of shouty nwas like you say mm. why not be a delisol why not have the confidence to, to to bring a little bit of sunshine and you know they, they did have social commentary it's clever in that the music is as sunny as can be and and you know they're doing some interesting things yes big fan of delisol r.i.p david that is that is a sad loss i love that they sampled everything and anyone um, mm. from Billy Joel to Hall and & Oates. And it pushed them into variants of sort of jazz rap, soul rap, whatever you want to call it. It was great. I was looking at some of the contemporary reviews of Three Feet High and Rising mm. from 1989. The Sergeant Pepper of hip hop, said mm. Billy's voice. And the NME said one of the greatest albums ever made. So you can't say much more than that. So um, farewell, True Boy the Dove. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening this week. Good to have you along as always. I echo the sentiments of my marvellous colleague. Now, no doubt, if she played live, she too would fill arenas in the manner of S Club 7. (laughs) But for the moment, we have to be content with Jules on the radio. Well, that's too kind. Thank you very much. Yes, 7 to 9 p.m. Smooth sailing. Um, That's on Sunday evenings. And then we've got Thursday evenings and repeated during the week. 8 to 9 p.m. Lost for Words, Instrumentals, etc. This is all on noiseboxradio.com. And if you want to catch up on shows, you can go to mixcloud.com and search for Noisebox Radio. And finally, back to De La Soldiers. 
had to be this really it was absolutely nailed on i love i genuinely love this song i love the song it samples which is um which is peg by steely dan mm. and I discovered both of these songs during the first lockdown um, in 2020 because the BBC were repeating Top of the Pops and they got to this on on, on this era of Top of the Pops. And I just it, it sums up that, that both the original and this song sum up the kind of sort of surreal element of the early lockdown where the weather was just stunningly gorgeous. And there was just this unreal feeling as to what was happening. And I, I clung to this song like a laugh after. I thought it was it was so lovely and just so I love the carefreeness of it. And, uh, you know, just the just, you know, the, the 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 respectfulness towards women even, you know, manages to be managed to be you know respectful as well as well as being a song about love and i i just really love this and and in a lovely coda a couple of years later when i was with a friend of mine and we were on one of our first post post all of the lockdown binges i found this for four pounds when we were on seven inch and we were out somewhere and as he put it i knew you were going to buy that as soon as you saw it and so so true so this is marvelous uh, uh, this is della soul from three feet high and rising and i know greetings girl and welcome to my world of phrasing right up to back is the daisy age and you're about to walk top stage so wipe your lottos on the mat hip-hop love this is and don't mind when i quiz your involvements before the sun but clear your court because this a one-man sport and who's better for this than plug one plug don't one. have to worry about me squashing other deals because they've already been squished freeze a frame of our moves the same which we can continue right behind the bush you'll stay with me i know this but not because of all my earthly treasures or regardless to the fact that I'm passing the news, but because I know I love you, May I cut this dance to introduce myself as the chosen one to speak? Let me lay my hand across yours and aim a kiss. Upon your cheek, the name's plucked too. Plucked from the soul I bring you, the daisy of your choice. May it be filled with the pleasure, principle, in circumference to my voice. About those other jennies I reckon with, lost them all like a homework excuse. This time the magic number is two, cause it takes two, not three, to seduce. My destiny of love is brought to an apex. Sex is a mere molecule. In this world of lust that I have for you, it's true, true. To let this rhyme style get somewhat poured in the mold. Hold my hand and we'll pick my plantation of daisies for a bouquet of soul. So like we at the cut of a rim. Take it as filled to the rim as in brim. Squeeze your stoop like Betty Boop, then make camel alphabet soup and spell plug ones within. Forward march the say when transistors will play. Come into bed is the move. Don't be sound will be thin top crown when I put the needle into your groove. I got a good thing, and in full swing. full swing. I show this in gifts, words or letters, but even without those three, I know you'd be close to me, cause... Again, and the soul that I send is taking steps to reach your heart. Any moment you feel alone, I can fill up your empty part. We can ascend till we reach daylight heaven, and in a spin, we'll hit the top ten. Then we could meet Mr. Stucky and Pops Brother Lucky will preach, let the wedding be. The wedding be. Shot by an arrow of two but through a string of a G cleft, my dear, I claim your death. And if you could hear me, by golly gee, true boy is ready for what you possess. We could live in my plug to home. And on Mars where we could be all alone And we make a song for two picture perfect things And I sing of how
You've been listening to a Parish Council production.